You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Oh, praise the Lord. I'll do my best, lady. I'll do my best. God bless you so much for being here. I, I was a little worried this morning that uh, we were going to be low this morning, but I mean, there's a lot of people here. Be praying for those who are not feeling well. I know I sound like I am not feeling well, but I feel, I feel great. I promise you I do. Thank you, Brother Dane. You're crazy, man. My goodness. Gospel light attracts a lot of strange bugs. You know, that, that, that's, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> There's Miss Amy. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, it's wonderful to see you here this morning. I'm really looking forward to telling you what the Lord has given me this morning and tonight. So I definitely invite you back. 5.30 for prayer meeting and 6 o'clock for our evening service. If you've never been back for an evening service, I invite you to come back tonight. And uh, I'm looking forward to what the Lord has given me. Lord willing, if he lets me preach it. There's been a couple times recently where right before he changes things. And uh, I never tell you that beforehand because that way if it's a flop, you don't blame the Lord. It's definitely on me. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Did you enjoy the new parking lot this morning? Good. How many of you forgot? How many of you forgot? Brother Marvin forgot. All right. Well, remember, you can use that from here on out. Romans chapter 6 is where we're going to be. Please put your cell phones on silent. We almost made it through the entire week last week, the entire morning service without it. And then at the very end, one went off. We let you back in this week? I can't believe that. Oh, my goodness. You, the metal detectors are going to be installed this next week, and we'll be able to find that. Some, uh, we'll put some, some cameras up here with facial recognition so that we know. Because you can always tell when one is going off. The person just kind of freezes. You, well, they're, they're, it's one or either. They either freeze or they... It's either the freeze or the rifle. You, you, you never know. No, no worries about it, my brother. It happens. It happens. Right, Brother Luke? Where you at? Never let him live that one down. Romans 6, 23. The Bible says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What contrast in those verses. Wages versus a gift. Death versus life, sin versus the Savior. Father, I ask that you would bless the preaching of your word. Those in here who do not know for sure that heaven is their home, please let them leave this place either with you or without excuse. And those who do know you as Savior, would you open their eyes once again to the sinfulness of sin itself. For sin in our lives not to be justified, not to be pushed away, not to be ignored, not to be belittled or diminished, but for us to see the true consequences of the choices that we make in rebellion against you. We ask this in your name and for Christ's sake. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. (laughs) 
Go to any playground in the world and find children that are playing one with another, maybe a game of tag or hide and seek or I don't even know what kids play. Do kids even play on playgrounds anymore? It's a thing, you know? So go to any playground and sit down and just watch them casually. And sooner or later, you are going to hear one of the children, perhaps in frustration or annoyance or even despair, say these words, that's not fair. Now, how can you tell whether they're saying it in frustration or annoyance or despair? You know this. You actually know this. You know the answer to this question. So if it's in frustration, they'll add something at the beginning of the statement. They'll say, hey, that's not fair. No, that's not fair. Stop. That's not fair. That's frustration. When they say it in annoyance, they add something to the end of the phrase. (laughs) Now, you've never... Maybe you haven't noticed this, but you've heard it. That's not fair. Uh, That's annoyance. You ever heard kids, stop. uh, Don't. uh." In our our house, my little sisters always used to say, no, uh, no. uh." And my my mom and dad would always sing, who built the ark? Noah, Noah, who built the ark? Now, if it's in despair, they do both. Hey, that's not fair. <laughs> so I remember, I remember a time in high school. It was my junior year in high school, and I had made the basketball team. And um, we walked into the gym to scout out the competition. And the team that was already favored to win the tournament, Grace Baptist Academy Eagles, they were already favored to win. Well, they had added a new player onto their roster the summer before. This new player was a senior, and not like a, hey, kid, get off my lawn senior, but like a, that kind of senior, right? He was about 200 pounds. He could bench press about 300 pounds. He was over six feet tall. He had a five o'clock shadow by noon. (laughs) And he had also been held back for two years. Hey, that's not fair. (laughs) How about when you get pulled over by a police officer for not wearing your seatbelt? Which, how can they see? How can they they see that? How can they tell that? But you get pulled over for not wearing a seatbelt, and while he's writing the citation, a, a group of motorcycles drive by, and none of them are wearing a helmet. Not one. That's not fair. <laughs> I remember another time. I remember another time growing up in, um, it was in the teen boy Sunday school class in the church that I grew up in. And sitting behind me, always sitting behind me, was a group of boys that never paid attention in class. Now, I know my reputation precedes me, but I did pay attention in Sunday school. I didn't pay attention in academy. Get it right. I I didn't pay attention in the academy, but I did pay attention in Sunday school. And I'm sitting there, and they always sat behind me, and they never paid attention in class. Sorry. You can't see me over there. 
And one Sunday morning, Josh Kirkman, yeah, I'm talking about you, Josh. <laughs> Jerk. Um, he kept on reaching forward and flicking my ear. Flip. And you know, it starts. It starts hurting. He 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 had an incredible accuracy. Just same spot every single time. I'm glad I didn't have acne by then. I probably would have had one back then. That would have hurt. Bam, bam, bam. Finally, I turned around and I said, "You know what, Mr. Joshua? I'd really appreciate it if you would stop doing that. I'm trying to pay attention to the word of the Lord, and you're distracting me. It would be." No, I didn't do that. Turn around. Would you leave me alone? <laughs> and as soon as I do that, the teacher, Mr. Che, I'm sick of you turning around and distracting those boys. Go outside in the hallway. Hey, that's not fair. <laughs> you know what people, you know what people mean when they say, you know what they're really saying when they say that's not fair? I don't deserve what's happening to me or I deserve better than this. That's not fair. Now, we all heard it growing up, didn't we? From some adult, some, some parent, some older person, life's not fair. I understand that life's not fair. Why can it ever be not fair in my favor? But this, 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 these words, that's not fair, have become a rallying cry today. You notice that? Every election, that's not fair. That's not fair. We didn't deserve to lose. It's not fair. How about this one? You want to go to college? You need to pay for it. Oh, that's not fair. I, I deserve free education. <laughs> Nothing's free, right? How about um, some people are richer than you? Well, that's not fair. Well, we're not socialists and we're not communists, you know. We live in America. It's a good thing for now. But people here, well, some people are richer than you. Well, that's not fair. I deserve what they have. I deserve more. I deserve better. I deserve good, and I don't deserve bad. It's everywhere. It's deeply installed in the hearts of people and in the minds of people, like virus, like a virus in software. And what they need, and I think you would agree, what they need is somebody firmly lovingly, but firmly tell them how incorrect this idea is. Now, follow me, if we agree with that. With how deeply instilled this idea, this whole that's not fair idea, and I deserve this, and I deserve that, with how much this pervades our society, I am not surprised at all when a preacher will stand up in the pulpit of a church and say, if you die without Christ, you will go to hell. If you die in your sin, you will burn and you will burn forever and ever and ever. And usually the response is that's not fair. I don't deserve that. 
I deserve better than that. A loving God could never send somebody like me to hell. I deserve better than that. Well, let me introduce you to Romans 6.23, a verse that will firmly, lovingly, but firmly teach you how incorrect that idea is. The hell is filled with millions of people who took their last breath on earth thinking everything will be all right. I deserve heaven. I don't deserve hell. Only to lift up their eyes being in torments forever and ever and ever and ever because they thought I grew up in church. And they thought I'm not as bad as so-and-so. And I'm certainly not as bad as so-and-so. And I've never done this, and I've never done that. And yet they are in hell today because they did not heed the warning of Romans 6.23. The wages of sin is death. Listen to what God is saying in those six words. Yep. The wages of sin. What is sin? Now, do you need me to tell you what sin is? Or do you, do you know what sin is? Do you know the Bible says that you have within you a conscience that has been programmed and placed by God and it lives within every single one of you so that you know what is right and what is wrong? I never had to teach my kids what was right and what was, or what was wrong. They knew it, and they knew it, was, they knew it was wrong. Well, how do you know they knew it was wrong? Why did they always try to hide it? You have a conscience within you. You don't have to know everything the Bible has to say about what is right and what is wrong to know what is right and what is wrong. The Bible teaches in Romans chapter... Uh, Romans chapter 2 or, th- or 3, I, I believe it is. It says, even those who have never read the Bible have the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing witness, their thoughts the meanwhile excusing or accusing one another. You have people who have never read the Bible, but they are able to judge in their mind, oh, that's not right, and that's fine. That's not right, that's fine, that's right, that's wrong, that's right, that's wrong. Because the work of the law is already written on your heart. You don't have to know everything that the Bible says in order to know what is right and what is wrong. But just for sake of clarity, certainly not for sake of brevity, but for sake of clarity, let's talk about what sin is. Sin is disobedience against God. Sin is an act of defiance against the Lord. Now, if we want to get a little bit more specific Sin is cursing. Sin is hating without a cause. Sin is murder. Sin is lust. Sin is knowing to do a good thing and not doing it. Sin is whatever you do that is not of faith. Ouch. Sin is whatever you do that does not bring glory to God. Sin is thinking a foolish thought, not committing a foolish act. Thinking about committing the foolish act is sin. Sin is gossip. Oof. Sin is drinking. Sin is stealing. Sin is giving only to bring attention to yourself. 
Sin is pride. Sin is adultery. Sin is fornication. Sin is drugs. Sin is neglecting to love your neighbor as yourself. Sin is not studying your Bible. You read your Bible? Fantastic. Do you study your Bible? Sin is not studying your Bible. Sin is not praying. Sin is lying. Sin is when God says yes and you say no. Sin is when God says no and you say yes. Sin is when God says stay and you go. Sin is when God says go and you stay. Sin is when God says be quiet and you speak. Sin is when God says speak and you be quiet. Sin is when God says give and you withhold. Sin is when God says speak and you say no. Sin is when God says trust me and you say I'll trust myself. Sin is when God says follow me and you say I'll go my own way. That is sin and sin brings death. The wages of sin is death. James 1.15, lust when it hath conceived bringeth forth sin and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Well, I'm living in sin right now and everything seems to be fine. It's just not finished with you yet. Ezekiel 18.20, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. God told Adam and Eve in the garden a very long time ago, thou shalt not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Playing devil's advocate here. Well, preacher, they did eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and they didn't die, did they? They did not experience the end of death, but they did experience the beginning of it. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world, and death entered by sin. And so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Perhaps Adam and Eve didn't physically die on the day that they sinned, but they began the long process of dying on the day that they sinned against God. So get this with me. When God says the wages of sin is death, he's actually talking about three different things as far as the word death is concerned. He's not only talking about death as a destination, he's also talking about the journey on the way to death. He's not only saying the wages of sin is death. He's not only talking about death. He's talking about dying. Does that make sense? He's not only talking about the moment of death. He's talking about the process of death. So none of us in this room have experienced the end of death. And I certainly hope you don't do so before the end of the message. But we have all experienced the process of it. We are experiencing the process of it. We are not yet dead, but we are even now dying. We have not yet reached death, but we are now on the road to it. And why are we on the road to it? We are on the road to it because of sin. The wages of sin is death. He's not only saying one day you will die because of sin. He's saying today you are dying because of sin. Sin will kill you one day by killing you day by day. And it won't stop at killing you physically. It will go much further and kill you spiritually. Revelation 21.8, the fearful, the unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone. This is the second death. Hell is eternal death. Jesus called hell a place where the fire is not quenched and the worm dieth not. That's a lot more descriptive 
than other preachers today would call hell. It is a place where the fire dieth not. You realize every fire on earth is destined to die at some point because fire consumes its fuel. And once its fuel is gone, it has to die. But in hell, the fire dieth not because its fuel is your soul and your soul is eternal. Every worm on earth is destined to die because one day it will consume all of its food. But in hell, the worm dieth not because its food is your soul and your soul is eternal. So when Jesus says, when God says the wages of sin is death, he's talking about three different things. Sin, sin brings dying, sin brings death, physical, and sin, sin brings death, spiritual. Sin kills your body. It will kill your body one day and it will kill your soul. Well, that's not fair. I don't deserve that. Does a servant not deserve wages for his service? For those of you who are employed, when you work for a company, isn't it only fair for you to receive payment for your labor? It would be unfair for them to accept your labor without giving you your wages. You labored for them. You deserve to be paid by them. You worked hard. You've earned your wages. So when you work for sin, isn't it only fair for you to receive payment for your labor? It would be unfair for sin to accept your labor without giving you your wages. You labored for sin. You deserve to be paid. You worked hard for sin. You've earned your wages. And the wages of sin is death. A preacher said here, God treats sin as a master. And if sin is your master, you will have death to eat as your pay. Why, does, why do the partiers wake up in the morning feeling like death? And looking like death. Why? Because the night before they worked very hard for their master. And sin always pays its servants. Why do the sexually immoral struggle all of their days with diseases? Why? Because they work very hard for their master. And sin always pays its servants. Why do those who ignore and neglect God watch their marriages and their finances and their relationships and their aspirations slowly decay? Because they worked very hard for sin and sin always pays its servants. Why do those who use drugs find themselves bound by the very substances that they know are killing them? Because they worked very hard for sin. And sin always pays its servants. Why does the liar and the gossip and the manipulator and the two-faced friend have to watch their friendships die? Because they worked very hard for sin. And sin always pays its servants. Why does the Christian who lives a double life live one way on Sunday and live another way Monday and Tuesday, but then they live another way Wednesday night, and then they live another way Thursday, Friday, Saturday? Why does a Christian who lives a double life, a hypocritical life, have to watch both lives die? 
because you're working very hard for sin and sin always pays its servants. Why does the Christian who runs from the Lord suffer their entire life? Because you work very hard for sin and sin always pays its servants. Why does the sinner burn in hell forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever? Because they worked very hard in life for sin. I'd say the drunkard worked very hard to be a drunkard. And the immoral worked very hard to be immoral. The way of the transgressor is hard. You worked very hard for sin, and the sinner will burn and burn and burn and burn and burn because sin would never be so unfair as to accept your labor without giving you your wages. And the wages of sin is death. You would sooner embrace a burning log and not get burned. You would sooner watch water run uphill then you will find anybody who will serve sin and not receive their wages. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And stop blaming your death on other people. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. God told that to Ezekiel because there was a proverb going on in, at, in Ezekiel's day. The fathers have eaten sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. Dad sinned, we're suffering for it. And God said, I'm sick and tired of people saying that proverb. I'm killing that proverb today. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. It's not dad's fault. It's yours. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's nothing unfair about it. Nothing unfair about sin paying you your wages. Do you want to know what's unfair? You want to know what's unfair? Who wants to know what's unfair? Raise your hand. Thank you, Miss Elizabeth. I will answer. Let me tell you what's unfair. What's unfair is for God to create man in his own image. Only for that man to rebel against him and say, I'm going to do it my way. That's not fair. But then for God to set out immediately on a plan of redemption. But then watch that those men slowly descend further and further and further and further to where the, the imaginations of the thoughts of their heart were only evil continually. That's not fair. But then for him to choose somebody by his grace, Noah, and save him through the flood, only to have Noah immediately sin against him. That's not fair. And then to choose a man named Abraham and then make him a great family, a, 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 father of, uh, a father of a great nation. And to choose that nation, not because they were anything special or not because they were the biggest. He said, I, I chose you because I loved you. Only to have them look back and serve other gods the entire time. That's not fair. So then God says, I'm going to choose out priests, I'm going to choose out kings, and I'm going to choose out leaders and judges to lead you in the way that you ought to go, only to watch every single priest and even the best kings and even the best leaders and even the best judges fail and fail hard. That's not fair. 
So then for him to send prophets to say, this is the way that you ought to go, only for them to kill the prophets, that's not fair. And for thousands and thousands and thousands of years for God to keep working only for them to keep destroying what he built and for him to keep begging them to come closer and they keep running and for him to keep crying and they stay cold and for him to keep trying and they keep fleeing and for him to keep delivering and they keep defying. That's not fair. God didn't deserve that. But it gets even more unfair still. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus left his throne in glory where angels are subject to him every single moment of eternity screaming, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. He left it and was laid in a manger. That's not fair. And he left a place where he received nothing but respect. And he made himself subject to his mom and his dad. 30 years, leaving his robes of righteousness and robing himself in flesh, the clothing of a poor Jew, leaving heaven and going to Nazareth, where even other poor Jews says, what good can come out of Nazareth? 30 years without telling anybody who he was. 30 years subject to adults. Hey, kid, come over here. And at any time he could have said, kid? How about if he worked for his dad for, in the carpenter shop? Because the customer's always right, right? You imagine the Lord working on a table or something like that and a customer coming in and changing it and yelling at him. This isn't right. I don't like this wood. Lord could say, I, I really like it. I planted this. <laughs> I can tell you there's not a better piece of wood out there. And then he began his ministry. And he was despised and he was rejected of men. That's not fair. He spoke, they didn't believe. He healed, they doubted. He fed, and they only wanted more. He led, they left. He cast out devils, they said, well, it's only because you're one. And they called him a blasphemer. They called him a glutton. They called him a wine-bibber. They called him a friend of sinners. They called him a liar. They called him a son of fornication. That's not fair. And they plotted and they planned to kill him. And one of his close friends made it come, come to pass. His other friends slept in his darkest hour. When he was arrested, they all forsook him and fled. That's not fair. He didn't deserve that. He was falsely accused. They slapped him. They spit upon him. They locked him away in a cold cell for the night until they had time to deal with him. And then they bring him out into a false court and they scream, crucify him. And they beat him with rods. And they beat him with a Roman cat of nine tails and put a crown of thorns on his head and mock him the entire time that they're doing it. And then take a gorgeous purple robe and put it on those fresh wounds on his back. And then take a, take a heavy cross and dig it into his shoulder and say, carry it for a kilometer. And he does until he, he's crushed under the weight of it. That's not fair. 
And then they put nails in his hands and in his feet. And they raise him up above the ground and let that cross sink down into the ground and pull all of his bones out of joint. And they go by and wag their hands at him and say, you've saved others and yourself you cannot save. Come down from the cross and we'll believe you. That's not fair. He had to know what it felt like for God to turn his back on him and scream, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Stripped naked and left to suffocate for six hours until he died. Until he, what? Until he died. Ladies and gentlemen, you and I deserve death. You and I deserve death because we have sinned. Jesus didn't deserve death. He never did anything. He never did anything to earn the wages of sin. And yet he died a cruel and torturous death. That's not fair. Oh, but it gets even more unfair still. Because they bury him in a borrowed tomb. And for three days and three nights, he stays there. But then he gets up, because it's impossible to have the author of life stay in a tomb. You can't seal life in a tomb. So he comes out, and he makes himself known. And what does he do with this newfound life? He goes to the same sinners that rejected him. He goes to the same sinners that despise him and blaspheme him and doubt him and disregard him and have chosen of their own accord to sin against him. And he says, come. Come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The nail-pierced hands of Jesus hold heaven before you. That's not fair. Oh, is it, is it fair? Is it fair for the sinner to walk away as if they were innocent because the guilty died or because the innocent died as though they were guilty? Is that fair? That's not fair. No, sir, it's not. No, ma'am, it's not. It is not fair. It's grace. And grace is receiving what you don't deserve. And I'm getting so sick and tired of religious people teaching and denominations teaching that salvation is something that you earn. For by grace are ye saved. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Boast. 
where sin abounded, grace did much more abound? Why are verses like that in the Bible if you can get there on your own? So I guess here's my message in a nutshell here. If you die in your sin, you'll receive the wages that you have earned. But through Jesus Christ the Lord, you can receive what you don't deserve. Through Jesus Christ. Not through religious works, not through baptism, not through good deeds, not through sacraments, not through charitable acts. Look at the verse. Look at the verse. Romans 6.23. It does not say, for the wages of sin is death, but the wages of obedience is eternal life through yourself. Salvation from hell doesn't come from the work of your hands. It comes from the belief of your heart. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And perhaps that is the most unfair of all. For the sinner to hear of God's plan of salvation, for the sinner to hear of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, for the sinner to hear that God now offers salvation from hell as a free gift of love and grace, and only for that sinner to say, I'll do it myself. You are making the sacrifice of Jesus of none effect. Maybe you say, oh, but it's not fair for Jesus to pay such a price. I want to help him make it fair. If there was anything you could do to earn eternal life, why did Jesus have to die? If there was anything that you could pay to receive eternal life, why does he call it a gift? Right. A gift is only a gift if it's free. You stop trying to pay for what is free. Jesus refuses to sell salvation to anybody. Right. He'll bargain with nobody. He'll give to anybody. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Not of works. It is a gift of God. Well, I don't like receiving anything free. I want to work for it. Pride. I don't like receiving anything free. Okay, gentlemen, turn off the lights. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Thank you. These two. Perfect. All right, no more, no more electricity for you. Listen, you didn't do anything. You didn't do anything to... What work did you do to earn electricity? You did nothing of yourself to, to pay the price that was needed in order to bring the light bulb to us. You know who paid that price? Thomas Edison paid that price. But when Thomas Edison paid that price, he gave it to the world. And that's why Electrician 623 says, for the wages of your investment into the light bulb, is darkness. But the gift that you have received is the light bulb through Thomas Edison. Okay, you can turn it back on. No more, no more airplanes for you. you. You did nothing. You did nothing to work for, for what was needed in order to bring about the miracle of sustained flight. The Wright brothers did. But when they paid that price, they gave it to the world. 
And that's why Flyer 623 says, the wages of your work into sustained flight is falling like a rock. But the gift that you have received is sustained flight through the Wright brothers. You did, what, what did you ever do that brought about personal vehicular transportation? So all of you are walking home if you don't want to receive anything for free. All of you are walking home because you did nothing in order to bring about personal vehicular transportation. You didn't pay that price. Henry Ford did. But when Henry Ford paid that price, he gave it to the world. And that's why transportation 623, drivers 623, says the wages of your investment into transportation makes you walk everywhere. But the gift that you have received is personal vehicular transportation through Henry Ford. Okay, so you want to pay for your sin. It's going to require eternity in hell. Jesus already paid for it. He already paid for it. And when he paid for it, he gave it to the world. And that's why Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You may as well go out and look at the sun and try to buy light from it. You may as well try to buy air from the atmosphere or buy water from a spring than to try to buy salvation from Jesus Christ. The sun gives its light. The atmosphere gives its air. The spring gives its water. All you have to do is accept it. God gives you salvation as a gift. All you have to do is accept it. Do you, I want you to imagine something. If, if there were words written over the gates of hell, I would imagine they would say this. Enter ye sinners into eternal damnation. You've earned it. If there were words over the gates of heaven, I would imagine they would say this. Enter ye sinners into the joy of the Lord. Jesus paid it all. Amen. That's not fair. I'm so glad it's not. <clears throat> a preacher told of a time when he visited a very wealthy friend of his. He owned, he owned a large orchard. And the owner said to the preacher, while you are my guest, I want you to make yourself perfectly happy and at home. And if there is anything in the orchard you would like, help yourself. You know what the preacher said? When I wanted an orange, I didn't go up to an orange tree and pray for one to fall into my pocket. I, I didn't go up to the orange tree and take one and leave a dollar bill behind. I just took it. He said, take, and I took and now God says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Who will take him now? Maybe you say, I will. I will take him now. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.